Welcome back to Trying to Figure It Out. I'm Allie, and here on Trying to Figure It Out, we do exactly that. We try to figure everything out. We talk about things from divorce to friendships, relationships, family dynamics, childhood trauma, anxiety, mental health, literally everything you could possibly imagine. And this week on Trying to Figure It Out, I have with me Lily Geiger. Lily is the founder of Philia, a non-alcoholic aperitivo brand. I am so excited to have you here to talk about this. There are so many things I want to get into with you. Welcome to Trying to Figure It Out. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, you're visiting LA right now from New York. Are you originally from New York? I am, but Where? I actually, I'm from the Upper West Side. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm from Westchester, so we have Love some it. New York in us. You have a non-alcoholic aperitivo brand called Philia. Can you tell me a little bit about the brand and how it started? Yeah, so I started Philia in 2020. It's a non-alcoholic aperitivo. So it's a similar to like a Campari or Aperol, but it has no added sugar, no alcohol, obviously, no preservatives. We use all natural ingredients and juices. Um, and we also give a percentage of our proceeds to partnership to end addiction. And we're members of 1% for the planet. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. I Thanks. saw that you guys celebrated your two-year anniversary recently. It's yeah. so exciting. It's so weird. It's crazy. Has it flown by? So quickly. I mean, especially once like we gained momentum and actually started having our products out in the world and yeah. by our, I mean me and my like amazing two friends that work with me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I can't believe it's been a little over two years now. It's amazing. So did you start the company originally by yourself, come up with the idea by yourself and then brought like people on with you or do you have a yeah. co-founder? No, so I founded the company. I basically started Philia stemming from uh, my own personal experience. Growing up, my dad was an alcoholic and passed away from alcoholism. So was super um, motivated and passionate about coming up with a product that would be exciting for someone who doesn't drink for, sure. for whatever reason, you know, whether they're in recovery or not, just coming up with something that tastes sophisticated but doesn't actually mimic the flavors of alcohol. Right. It's honestly such a genius idea. And I know a lot of people in my life who struggle with addiction. And I think that having other options is such an amazing thing to have when I mean, if you think about like 10 years ago, that just wasn't a thing. It was right. either like you drink or you're having a Diet Coke. And exactly, yeah. now there's so many things that can be done. Even like half of our social plans revolve around like, hey, let's get a drink. Exactly. It's, it's cool that there's been so much progress made and it's amazing that you're a part of that. So Thank congratulations. You. No, it's, a, it's a great industry to be in. I love it. You obviously created this yourself. What was the process of actually like starting it like do you actually make the drink did you have like a test kitchen phase where you were just mixing things together yourself trying everything what like do you have a factory like what's the process of actually making the product so i actually found a recipe developer in los angeles during covid but it was really funny because we couldn't see each other in person obviously so we would just like yeah ship all of our like samples back and forth and yeah. just make like notes and revisions um but it was kind of like doable actually and mm -hmm. even me who has never been in the beverage space ever um it was yeah it came together pretty quickly that's and amazing. it was awesome i didn't even know that was like a thing yeah that's really cool mm -hmm. okay so you mentioned a little bit about what led you to start this company and if you're comfortable with it i kind of want to go a little bit more in depth about your experience growing up in the family dynamic that you had. So what was your relationship with your dad like growing up? So growing up with an alcoholic parent was pretty um, isolating, I would say, because I feel like you can't really talk about it openly mm -hmm. or else people wouldn't trust having their kids over for playdates and knowing right. your parent is an alcoholic or even you know having kids in the car with your parent. Like I felt for like sure. it was really, um, 
would have been really bad for my dad's reputation eventually as my dad got worse like everyone knew so i'd say that i also was an only child and my parents were divorced so that meant like spending just like a lot of time with my parents right um separately and like a lot of time with my dad separately so i think that that was pretty hard just you know trying to find help or find uh any type of like resources about it i feel like i didn't know anything at the time it's there's not really no one really gives a child a handbook how to deal with anything like that exactly how was your relationship with your mom once your parents split was your relationship with both parents kind of split evenly until things progressed and got worse or how did you kind of like navigate early divorcehood i guess you could call it i think that it was definitely more uh centered around my mom just Mm -hmm. because that's kind of the nature of typical divorces you're like mostly with your mom and then you see your dad like Every Every other other weekend weekend. and like Wednesday or something. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I saw my dad then. But my mom also got remarried pretty soon after my dad. So Mm -hmm. I felt like then I was more so like reaching for my dad because I felt a little thrown off by that whole situation. Um, So yeah, I spent a lot of time with my dad. And I think my mom would also give him more time than like he originally got in like a, you know, contract. Was there a point where as you were like as things progressed that you weren't really able to spend time with your dad anymore or that your mom didn't want you to spend time with your dad anymore? Yeah, I actually remember when I was little, I was in therapy when my parents got a divorce. Just Everyone, to, you know, it's a formality. Yeah, especially in Manhattan. It's like, <laughs> all right, throwing a five-year-old in therapy, therapy now. now. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it is crazy. Um, so I was in therapy and my dad had been driving while drinking or while drunk with me in the car and I remember being old enough to know like I probably shouldn't tell my mom that because Mm -hmm. that would result in us not getting to hang out anymore and I told the therapist and then you know the therapist like if you tell me anything that could be harmful or yeah then she told my mom and my mom I didn't see my dad for like almost a year wow that's really hard is your mom currently still married or is she no longer married my mom is no longer married yeah this it's, is we have a lot in common. No, there's there's like tea. My mom actually got. She's gonna be like, "Why did you air all my shit out?" Trust but me. Anyways, I've gotten that phone call. She, yeah, she she gets it. Um, she actually got remarried after that second marriage. So my mom married my dad. Then she married this guy. Then they got a divorce. And then she married another guy when I went to college. And he actually passed away, unfortunately. Oh, so, so now my sorry. mom is single. Oh my god! If anyone's out there looking for a hot, there almost sixty year old. <laughs> Manhattan-based hottie. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Are you close with your mom now? Yeah. That's sure. great. Yeah. So how would you explain your dad's alcoholism impacting you and your mom, you know, as a unit as you got older? My dad had the type of um, addiction where he would go on, on and off spurts of relapsing. Mm-hmm. And then when he would go on a bender, it would be like wake up drinking, drinking throughout the day, not showing up to work type of like really dark stuff. Almost to the, like every time when you go on a bender like that, you need to like be, you need to detox with medical assistance. So that resulted in going to the hospital every time. So my mom would go with me most of the time. Right. Um, And that was in a phase where I actually wasn't living with my dad. So we would go, you know, get him from his apartment and take him. And so she was a part of that. But other than that, I would say when I lived with my dad, like I felt super alone in that for sure. Even though my mom was always, you know, around, it just was. And even when my dad died, it's like I kind of felt like I was the only one who really cared the most out of everyone because my dad wasn't married and I have no siblings. So like no one's like feeling it the way that I am. Right. And you feel like it's almost like a responsibility to like carry that. 
Like, well, yeah, there's no one else to do it. Like yeah. legally, there was like no one else to handle his like, should we cremate him? We have to go actually do that. You know, you right. have to like sign off on all these things, liquidate everything. Like that was all ultimately like my decision via, you know, some family members who were really helpful. Right. But like that was up to me, which 100%. was like crazy during college, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot for anyone to go through. It's very traumatizing for sure. Was your dad open about his struggles like what was the open dialogue or if there was any yeah what was that with you guys I think it would vary I mean there were times where he would call us and be like I need to go detox now I need you to help me get there yeah and then there would be times where it's like you need to go detox I don't want to go yet I but he it was he was super open about his addiction it was mm-hmm. not a secret at least with family we right. all knew and he would go to AA he would um talk to sponsors he would do outpatient he went to rehab a few times like it was just known and he wasn't trying to hide that which I really admire because I've also dealt with family members that are super in denial and it kind of makes you feel like you're crazy and for someone like me who's like so on you know with that I really uh, pick it up quickly and I'm like no there is a problem it's like no it's not and it's like well I can't be a part of that you were how old when you lost your dad I was 20. Okay. So you were in college. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like what your grieving process looked like and what it was like to be in a college environment where, you know, there's not that many people who can relate to what you're going through mm-hmm. or that kind of a loss? What was that like for you? It was really weird because I felt like I went to college when my dad got the worst. Yeah. Which for me, who is when it comes to that stuff, like was such a control freak and was just so, um, I guess just frustrated not being able to control that person and to help them. For sure. Um, it was also probably really good for me to have that break. So I kind of felt like I was distracted, which was really helpful. Um, even though you can only be so distracted because it's like your parent and yeah, like you're always waiting for that call if you're in the phase of addiction right. that I was in with my dad. So, um, yeah, I think I so kind of saw it coming in a way. Mm-hmm. And I will like never forget the moment when I found out I had just come back from uh, spring break. And I was it was St. Patrick's Day. It was a day after my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I was at a party with my friends and it was a day party. So we went home and it was like probably like 5pm. And my friend texted me and she said, your mom needs you to call her. And I was like, well, why wouldn't my mom just call me? Like, why is my mom texting a friend to tell me that I need to call her? Like, that's bizarre. And I was like, this happened because my dad didn't reach out to me on my birthday heard nothing so I was like something is up and my mom called me and told me and I just like left the next day and I luckily had really great friends who supported me but I only went home for like a week because I didn't want this to now screw up my timeline for graduating from college and I had worked so hard to get into college and um the school that I went to I applied um ed2 and i got my acceptance letter when my dad was in rehab and it went to his address so like i almost actually didn't get to go to the school because they had like a deadline and they were like if you don't get back to us and And i didn't even know that i got in wow and so my mom like put up so the whole thing i was just like i'm not letting this is already almost screwed up everything and just like in general is fucking up my life for lack of a better word um and so i was just like no i'm going back but I I think retroactively, I almost wish I did more about it, went to therapy then. And then right after college, I moved to L.A. and I wasn't in therapy or anything. And then it wasn't until COVID where I was like kind of alone with my thoughts a little more. And yeah. 
then decided to do this where I'm like talking about it constantly. So I feel yeah. like I'm like actually grieving the most now, even though I was, you know, it, the shock of it, even if you're expecting it, is the most crazy yeah. experience of your There's life. There's no, like you can expect it, but you can't anticipate what it's actually it's just feel like. it's, it's the worst feeling in the world and I, I try to like describe it as just like for me at least it was the feeling of holy shit I'm never gonna see that person again I can't talk to them anymore yeah. like that line of communication is forever cut off and I'm totally like into the spiritual stuff but like I I don't believe that like every sunset is my dad or some right. shit like I'm not doing that um because it it's over right like right. and I'm sure uh Maybe in another life we'll see each other. I maybe believe in that. But yeah. it just felt like your life, just like a part of your whole soul, just gets cut out and right. just discarded. Do you feel like you've found peace with the situation? And do you harbor resentment or anger? Or do you feel like you're past that point and you can you know, feel at peace with what has happened and where you're at now? I think I feel a lot more at peace for sure. I mean, it's also seven years behind me. So like I've had time to like process what's for sure. happened. Um, of course, like I think resentment comes in and out. Like it's just really hard to kind of come to terms with it at times. But yeah, I'm definitely at peace with it now. Would you say that who you are now as an adult was shaped by the experiences that you had and like with that, what are your goals as an adult? Like, do you have things? I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's tons of things you want to do differently. But can you like touch on that a little more deeply? Yeah, it definitely shaped me as a person, as mm -hmm. a human and as an adult. I think that I'm super cautious around alcohol. I um, yeah. always have been. I think that because my life was so disjointed with divorce and the remarriage and the another remarriage and death and addiction I'm just like I really want to have like an awesome life moving forward because it's just been crazy and you know I don't think I will be a big drinker I think I could see myself not drinking at all especially when I have kids and like yeah. I really want kids that's like so important to me and like yeah. being in a really positive relationship um, like my boyfriend's so awesome and like choosing the right partner like I feel like those are all things that I've prioritized. Yeah. And uh, just like professionally, I mean, starting Philia was so awesome and getting uh, me talking about this again. Yeah. I think it kind of can feel a little corny sometimes and like almost like marketing, like talking people like, well, what, what, like, you know, made you want to start it? And when I say it, it sounds so like I keep repeating this story. Right. But it's my like life, right? It's like of my course. personal story. So it's that, that's been a little weird, but I still think that, um, it's what people are really gravitating towards and people yeah. are really loving having those conversations. Totally. And it's something I wish I had when I was that age. But yeah, I think overall, like I don't think that Philia is like my purpose in life, but I feel like talking about this is more my purpose in life. So totally. I don't know where that will take me, whether it's just like having more conversations with people and mm -hmm. figuring out what that means or, um, yeah, I feel like even working with partnership to end addiction to like get more involved with them, like yeah. that feels like it's been really um, meaningful. Well, I think it's super valuable for you to be this vulnerable and, you know, share your story deeper than just like, what is the brand? Yeah. And I think the brand is amazing and I couldn't support it more, but I think it's, you know, even if just one person could take something away from this, I think it's like a important enough thing that helping one person yeah. is an amazing thing to be able to say that you did. Is it generational in your family to have alcoholism? Was your father's yeah. father or mom or like what is the relationship 
with alcoholic in your extended family? So my great grandfather, my grandma's dad, um, was an alcoholic and ended up committing suicide. Oh, wow. And that definitely played a role in my relationship with my grandma when my dad got really bad. She'd be like, I've dealt with this before. This is what's gonna happen, by the way. Like, it was just really scary to hear as a kid. Like, this is so bad. This is horrible. And I just stopped talking to her for, right. for some parts of it because I was just like, I can't be talking about this all day and reminded of how bad this is. Like, it's clear. It's very obvious that this yeah. is a shit show. Um, so yeah, it's been in my family and I have other family members that definitely struggle with it. And even on my mom's side, for sure. Like, mm -hmm. it's not, it's so common that everyone's family has somebody. Once you start talking about it with people, if I open up first and I'm so like honest, people are like, oh yeah, me too. But otherwise it's like so swept under the rug. It's so taboo and people don't want to talk about it. Totally. So kind of back to your relationship with alcohol. What was your relationship like with alcohol in college? Did you feel a little bit more, you know, like timid towards like sorority life or Greek life and drinking and partying in college? What was that like for you? Well, I grew up in Manhattan, so kids were drinking from yeah. a pretty young age, and it wasn't like beer pong and that sort of thing. It was right. like they're ordering martinis at a, <laughs> at a you know sushi restaurant downtown that will serve underage. So right. already, I definitely wasn't like new to the thought of mm. my peers drinking um, and me drinking. I definitely drank. I yeah. can't say that I ever had a situation that like scared me. I never took it that far. Yeah, but I drank in college 100% I definitely drank more than I was used to just because that was the culture and the school yeah. that I went to was pretty heavy on drinking um and I was in a sorority and I think that that was also kind of like a culture shock for me I went to like a really small um school in Manhattan with 21 kids uh yeah. under I mean in my grade so mm -hmm. it was just like such a new world and the school that I went to was like super artsy and like we didn't really use computers like it was like a very I felt like I was like in a cult and left of the cult <laughs> and I was like where am I what is going on um so even the sorority and like the drinking culture with Greek life I was like what the fuck is this yeah. like I did not fuck with that alas I still partook <laughs> yeah no I think that makes a lot of sense yeah I mean it's terrifying like it is I, it's really sad to see like, actually a lot of people I feel like even just those habits a hundred percent like it's just really strange to be our age and start to know what it feels like to finish a long day of work and be like i need a glass of wine right or like to have a bad day and be like i need a drink all of those thoughts are so like intense and mm -hmm. we're so young so it's such a weird like time in our lives to be like figuring out our relationships mm -hmm. with alcohol and if like we're at this age and don't have good relationships with alcohol like, what does that look like for the rest of your life? Like committing to a lifetime of sobriety at 25 is yeah. a really hard thing to commit to totally. and to think where you'll be. Like, what if 20 years from now you're, you know, in a better state of mind and your relationship can be different? It's really hard to know, like, when you're crossing a line. Mm -hmm. So I also, I think as I'm getting older, I do empathize with people who do struggle with alcoholism more because I think I could see how easy it is for the lines to get blurred mm -hmm. and how easy it is to, you know, cross over to the other side. Right. So it's really crazy. I wish there were like more tips to know, like, like indicators. Of yeah. This could be like an there's issue. obviously like indicators that are more clear. I don't know. I think that there could be more 
you know, information on just like letting people know more about the fact that this is a disease because I feel like there's a lack of sympathy for someone who's an addict Yeah, when they're getting, you know, so bad that it could actually end their life. And, you know, that's really hard to um, talk to people about when your parent is the person that's, you know, battling with addiction and has that disease. People are like, is it a disease? Like, I don't know. And I feel like I see movies about um, addiction and like the parents always like abusive or like, and that was like, was not the case. Granted, when someone's drunk, they say a lot of things that they don't mean. And that often relates in something really, you know, horrible they can say to you and like voicemails. And I feel like just raising your voice in general. And Mm -hmm. yeah, just that part, I definitely uh, just could not get on board with. I was like, I'm not dealing with this, but I don't think that, um, Addiction looks one way. I think it comes in like all different shapes and sizes. I agree with that completely. How often, like realistically, would you say that you have a drink? Not often. I will pretty much only have alcohol if it's a glass of wine and someone's like, oh my God, this is a special glass of wine. Like, Got it. It's been aging for however long and like you should give it a try with this like food reading. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't really feel the need ever anymore. Yeah. Um, and once I go so long, without it and see how great I feel I'm like no I don't want to throw off this good thing I have going for sure so not often and my boyfriend doesn't drink that much either that's great so that's been great which is like it's all for different reasons too which is it's really interesting because there's such a wide spectrum like like, I have my whole situation like that's why I don't drink right and he has Crohn's disease so he for his stomach can't I'm like there's so many reasons why people aren't drinking and I feel like if you're a woman getting to the age of 30 everyone's like oh are you pregnant i'm like what why is that always the question that yeah. women get like in your 30s because you're not drinking yeah you must it's be like pregnant. no i just don't want to be hung over and a monster <laughs> totally <laughs> Sorry. fair it can be hard to find a good non-alcoholic option so what has it been like getting philia out on the shelves and like actually you know, marketing it and getting people to be drawn into the option of a non-alcoholic drink that still kind of makes you feel like you're in the same environment as other people who might be drinking or whatever Mm -hmm. the situation is. I knew how important it would be to invest in our branding, but I think that it really shows through now that we're actually on the market and can see how much people love it. Um, I think branding and taste are just like, you really have to take your time and work with the right people. And we did that. And so that's why we haven't really been like cranking out a million SKUs because like every time we put something out there, we want it to be absolutely perfect. And yeah. I feel like you really mastered it with this first flavor. And, but I'm still surprised. I mean, I think that we, out of most of our competitors, we have no, up until now, we have outside funding, but we did not have outside funding up until like literally a month ago. So Congratulations. being so frugal with our decisions and just really like being super intentional and how we're going to spend our money, I think made us um, super aware of every department of like how this beverage comes together. So like I totally know what's going on with ops and sales and I'm Mm -hmm. actually going in and doing all the tastings and the demos and that sort of thing. That's something I'm really grateful for now because I feel like we have really gotten to know this brand and this product and I feel like I've been super involved and that's really... um, invaluable i think and yeah i mean it just i'm surprised i see it on the shelves next to all of our competitors that have like millions and millions of dollars in funding and like a ton of employees so it's yeah it's an honor that's amazing this is what the can looks like do you have other bottling structures like what other products 
does it come in? So we have a bottle. It's a 750 milliliter bottle. It's a concentrate. So you would usually pour that over ice with mm-hmm. sparkling water, tonic water, in a mocktail, cocktail, however you like to serve cool. it. Um, and then the can is a pre-made spritz. So it's the perfect ratio of the concentrate, sparkling water, and lemon. Yeah. I love the packaging. It's so cute. It's really cute. Okay. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about like the flavoring and what, I can. what your goal was? Yeah. So we basically went in wanting it to taste sophisticated, but not trigger the taste of alcohol. Doing that is hard. You don't want it to be too bitter. Getting the right color was mm-hmm. very hard because you're working with all natural right. extracts and you're not using a preservative. So like every other product looked kind of murky and I was like, we can't have that. <laughs> we need to be cute yeah. in color. And we mastered that. And I'm really grateful because I think that a lot of people will see it in a glass and be like, oh, this actually feels up to par with what someone else who is drinking alcohol right. looks like and tastes like. I think they look so cute. Thank you. I agree. So you just mentioned that you wanted to make sure that it didn't mimic flavors of alcohol Mm -hmm. can you touch on like your opinions on like competitors in the space that do make drinks that mimic flavors and can you share a little bit why you chose not to do that and like what the pros and cons are to both sides yeah I mean for someone who's in recovery it's really unhelpful I think to taste alcohol if you're like actively every day working towards not doing that so for instance if you have like any non-alcoholic beer it still tastes like a beer if you have non-alcoholic whiskey and tequila and gin that still tastes like the original um so it's right pretty hard I think mentally but I think it's great for people who do like the taste of alcohol and want to have that flavor but not actually get a buzz on so um no qualms, but I just think for us, that wasn't gonna align really with my story. If like, first and foremost, I'm doing this for the sober community. However, most of our demographic actually doesn't identify as fully sober. I think that we're still honoring them first and foremost, and then everyone else that enjoys it who's not even fully sober is a perk. Yeah, for sure. I know you said right now you're kind of just, you don't know if this is like your end goal or your end game or you know where you see yourself 10 years from now, but do you have anything in the pipeline for the brand? And do you feel like you kind of have an idea of where you see it going in the next five years? Yeah, I mean, I'm super passionate about the brand. I think that when I say like personally, I just feel like talking about this, I've realized is so important. And Mm -hmm. I think as I have more conversations with people who have dealt with the same thing, I realize like this conversation's not over, like it needs to continue to be had. So I like really wanna work on doing that, which takes a lot of time. And I wanna be thoughtful with how I do that. but. As for Velia, I mean, we definitely want to have more products out there. We always want to continue to have more like events and Mm -hmm. opportunities for people to come try the product and to interact with us and to have those conversations. So more of that, I think, will be really great for us. I saw the product was recently featured in Vogue, which is amazing. How have you marketed the brand and how have you gotten it to a place where you know, you're being recognized by these companies for any young female entrepreneurs out there. What was the process for you of, you know, actually getting the name out there? Well, we have a really great PR team, shout out Caro, but I will say it just takes like you staying up late and just yeah. cold emailing people after your work day. Like I feel like so many stockists we have, restaurants I have just reached out to uh, mm-hmm. or they've reached out to me, but 
I think that if you really want to try to keep up with the momentum of your competitors yeah. and you don't have the money or the team, you just got to do it yourself. And I think that's what we did. I know that's what we did. But <laughs> I, I think I can attribute that hard work to where yeah. we're at right now, even though we still have so much more to do. Um, I think that's what got us on the same articles as mm -hmm. some of these bigger companies and on the same shelves as them. That's been our superpower. It's just being kind of energized and yeah. passionate about it. That's amazing. Okay, so what advice would you give to someone who was in your shoes family-wise and is probably you know anywhere from 10 years old to 20 years old? What advice would you give to them if they are going through what you are going through or something similar? I think just like find whatever peace means to you, whatever, mm -hmm. like if that's a person, if that's another family member, like someone who makes you feel safe and finding that just to try to like ground yourself because it's so hard. And it's yeah. like, especially for me who didn't have siblings or my other parent wasn't living under the same roof as my parent right. who was struggling with this, like having good friends, opening up to people, not bottling it up inside. Yeah. A lot, like I said, you still, I didn't feel like I could disclose to like, you know, yeah. someone I met on the street, but like I definitely felt like because I had great friends and a community, mm -hmm. that got me through it. So yeah. I suggest just finding your peace and staying there. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Mm -hmm. Before we end, in every episode, I do this thing called Alpies 3, and it's basically just, I love music. I used to work in the music industry, and I love incorporating music into the podcast. So. Okay. I always do this. I pick, I have my guests pick three songs. I usually try to make it fit the theme of the episode. So I guess if Felia could have like three songs that kind of go with the vibe of the drink and the flavor of the drink, what would you say those three songs would be? Like it's a hot summer day and you're mm. at the beach and you're drinking Felia. What, what songs are you listening to while you're at the beach? I love this. I'm like a <laughs> closeted music girly. Like I feel I like that. my friends who know me know that I'm like Miss Music. I've always been Miss Music. Mm -hmm. But I'm not like, check out my Spotify. My Spotify like I just can't be that girl. <laughs> I won't allow it. Um, so I love Just Like Heaven by The Cure. That That's song like song. is probably the most played every year on my Spotify raft. My boyfriend's like, what's wrong with you? I love that. Um, <laughs> it's just like such a good song. And I love... Uh, soak up the sun by Cheryl Crow. That's like my favorite driving song. If I'm like driving alone, <laughs> especially like song. I'd be coming back from college and would come home with like no voice. My mom was like, "What? <laughs> what was going on?" I was like driving through like Virginia, West Virginia, like blasting that song um, from North That's Carolina. Amazing. Okay, I love this song. It's like such a good energy. August Ten by Karangbin. You're sipping on your Fifi. You're you're vibing with, yeah. your, with your pals. And I it's love a good that. energy. Amazing, right? It's just like. Mm, that's amazing. Okay. Well, thank you. We'll definitely be adding those. I really can't thank you enough for being so vulnerable and open with us. I'm just really impressed by you. So thank you for sharing everything. Oh, thank you. That was so sweet. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Trying to Figure It Out. We will be back next week with another episode. And Lily, before you go, can you tell us where people can find your product and find you and where they can buy the product as well? Yes. So we are online always. You can also find us in 500 <laughs> locations in the US, um, but just plug in your zip code on the website and you'll be able to kind of see what's closest to you. I guess we'll end the episode with a little cheers. A little cheers. Oh, I'm going to reach Can over. I even like... Cheers. Cheers. Thank you again, mm -hmm. and we will see you next week. Mm. Amazing. It's really good. <laughs>